I'm Chad Rutherman's. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And welcome to No Clip Pocket. Get in the zone. Today, we're going to be talking about Killing Zone, uh, <laughs> which is a game that was developed by Scarab, published by Naxitsoff and Acclaim. Kind of a stain on their reputation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and was released in 1996 on the PlayStation, and only there. Yep. But first, if you give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. And it's pretty important to note right up front, this is not Killing Floor, nor is it Kill Zone, nor is it... I don't have any other Zone names. Those are the ones that I came up with <laughs> prior to this. Uh-huh. Uh... It has a name I didn't realize was as generic as it was until there was confusion about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it made Googling things about this game incredibly hard to do. Uh, But Killing Zone is a fighting game. Uh, it is a 3D, a sensational 3D yeah, fighter. The box, to box is sure to let you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, and like in the style of a Tekken, I guess. Um, I don't know if that was like the first, but it's certainly the most well-known 3D fighting game at this point. Um, and <laughs> that is it. <laughs> it is in no way. There's not. There's no gimmick to the fighting that makes it more in depth. Uh, there's very little in terms of balancing in the game. Uh, the one real catchy part that it has that I've yet to mention is that the fighting roster is, for some reason, made up of, like, the universal monsters. (laughs) Yeah, copyright-free, um, public domain, the fighting game. And it's, like, shocking to me how little they do with this concept. (laughs) It is really weird. Like, they give all of the characters just, like, either really regular or, like, nonsensical names for, like, what they're representing. Yeah. Like, the there's a skeleton, um, and it's a skeleton. Like, skeleton by itself doesn't, I guess, lend itself to any special fighting game powers. Not that there haven't been skeletons in fighting games before. There's, like, there's one in, um... Killer Instinct, mm-hmm. uh, which is also not a zone game, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> but they, I guess, were b- so bereft of creativity that the the skeleton guy, whose name is just Cal, <laughs> that's actually one of the ones I think is like okay, sure that they're just like the names of like presumably the men they used to be yeah cal and hal and yeah yeah players one and two each have different names yeah which is something i think is interesting i I don't know if other fighting games do that um but it felt unique to this to me anyway that's fair normally you're right they don't most of the time like if you have two players who pick the same character player one and player two just like a different uh, color. This has both color and outfit variations, and changes their name just for mm-hmm. a little extra help. Yeah, like I don't know. I don't remember if it's like the the dark pixie or mm-hmm. the uh, gorgon lady, <laughs> but one of them's just named like Carla or something like just like a regular ass name. Yeah, that is, I believe, the dark pixie. Yeah, and it's just like I don't know. It just feels really nonsensical. Then you have like I think it's the werewolf character is just named Gush. Gush. Yep. <laughs> It's, oh God. Yeah, and to finish my thought from before, 
the the skeleton guy is just he's a skeleton, but he does have like a sword and shield, mm-hmm. uh, like we, a Roman soldier or something. Yeah, it's extremely weird, and like the shield doesn't give him any additional blocking <laughs> mechanism in any way, and all of his moves are mostly just kick moves or sword slashes. So mm-hmm. the shield could have been removed, and nobody would have even questioned it. Mm-hmm. But that was the model they made. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess just to go over the rest of the roster before we get into, uh, the gameplay, uh, yeah, we mentioned the werewolf guy, mm-hmm. uh, who, when you're playing him, is just a regular human, because is his werewolf transformation is gated behind a special move, and those sure aren't in the game. I actually found out that the thing you do to trigger the werewolf transformation is you have to run for three seconds. What? Yeah, yeah. You have to be, like, moving forward at full speed for three seconds to transform. Look, I want to talk about the run in this because <laughs> it seems like that would be impossible at the rate at which you teleport across the yeah. screen. I managed to do it once on accident and had no <laughs> yeah. idea how I did it. Oh, God. that's For three seconds also seems like a very long time. Sure does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's Gush. He's the, he's the human <laughs> slash... Potential werewolf. Mm-hmm. You have the skeleton. You have the gorgon, uh, who is like a mostly like a snake in this game. Like mm-hmm. most of the moves are kind of snake esque moves. Yeah. Bottom half snake with like a scorpion stinger, I think, on the end of the tail. Yeah, and you can do these like she has wild moves that cover like huge amounts of ground. Um, and then there's the mummy, who's on the box art, looming large in the background. Uh, and I love the mummy, but all of his, like, animation outside of the fight shows him with, like, stretchy Dalsim limbs. Mm-hmm. But in-game, he can't do that. Like, maybe he's got, like, a couple of moves that use the stretchy limbs. Yeah, he's got, like, a little bit more of a reach. Yeah. But, but... yeah, his, his victory animation <laughs> stretches his arms a little bit. So... His victory animation is very uh, <laughs> head empty, very excited, mm-hmm. uh, just like pumping his hands in the air. Uh, it's really good. So, okay, those you have the Minotaur, the Dark Pixie, the Frankenstein monster. Am I leaving somebody out? I feel like I almost assuredly am, but cannot come I up can't, with it. Is there just like one that's like a regular guy? Well, there's Gush. Who's no, I mean, that's guy. not a werewolf. Like, is there one that's just a guy? No, everybody is a okay. monster of some sort. I, I feel like that's everything. All right. Then, <laughs> that's your roster, which sounds cool in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the game has no plot. Nope. Uh, it doesn't even have, like, the token fighting game ending when you complete the story mode. Store, the arcade, whatever you want to call yeah. arcade mode, um, which just puts you up against every fighter in a row and then a mirror match at the end. Uh, and there's no ending. It just goes back through and shows you your like last three seconds of every match <laughs> and like stats. It's like you got hit four times. You dealt were dealt this much damage. 
Yeah, yeah. No final boss. No, not even a little bit of a cutscene of any kind, or even a slideshow. Um, I feel like the credits don't even have music played over them. There may or may not have been a problem with our disc. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a pocket. We'll just we'll we'll circle back. Uh, there is we played this game on a PlayStation One disc that I bought online and had shipped to me that had a black back, and mm-hmm. I played it in a PlayStation Two. I thought there was a pretty good chance that it wouldn't run at all, but it did. But then it also has trouble sometimes. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I noticed is that frame rate issues seem to also make the music of the game, like, skip. Like it was in a Walkman and you were jogging. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and there's I, no way to know if that's the copy of the game or if it's just like that. Yeah, I, I literally couldn't tell you if what was the case there. Um, but it's exacerbated by the fact that this game runs like it barely runs at the best of times, uh, and things feel very choppy and you can clip through the ground and kill yourself at times. Um, and one of my favorite level in the game is this level that takes place on a stone platform. I haven't explained this yet, but it is a 3D fighting game and it also has ring outs like Soul Soul Calibur does. Yeah, it's got like the... You can, like, strafe around. It's not just, like, a 2D fighter where right. it's on a 2D plane. So, yeah, you can, like, back your the enemy up to the edge, and you have to circle around them to avoid getting knocked out. Right. Etc. Yeah. So, <laughs> it does... It's It has that mechanic. So, you're on a big stone platform and navigating back and forth. But then, this level just has leaves blowing by at all times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, one, it's incredibly distracting because they are in the foreground and constantly blowing. It's just like a ton of motion. Uh, and then it also just makes the performance of the game tank significantly. And mm-hmm. I don't know how it made, made it into the final version of the game. I think it's because they c- probably couldn't cut anything or felt like they couldn't. Um, this game very very much feels like a launch title, mm-hmm. like something they had a harsh deadline on that they had to ship. Um, cause, yeah, because there's just so much about it that just doesn't feel like it was implemented. Like they, it's not like what's there. Well, what's there is bad, but it's not so much th- that sense that I'm talking about. It just feels like there's like stuff they probably planned that just isn't in here because they didn't have enough time to put it in. Like, get, it feels like a like a beta, yes. almost like uh, it's, this is the early access disc <laughs> of uh, of Killing Zone. Yeah, if I had booted this up as part of like a jam pack or something, yeah, something like that. But it was the full game. I would have been yeah. like, makes sense. Yeah, imagine <laughs> 1996. You just had Pizza Hut, <laughs> and you're bringing back the Kill Zone demo, a Killing Zone yeah. demo. Slap that in your PlayStation. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is... I mean, I can't imagine that this game sold particularly well. It did not. But every single one of those sales, like, I feel personally a little <laughs> bit sorry for. 
just the state of this thing as it is. It it doesn't have like a, a differentiated versus mode. In order to play versus, you have to start a single player game and then have the second player join in mm-hmm. like a like it's an arcade game, like you're playing yeah. Double Dragon. Uh, and that is, I mean, it's not, I guess, that weird, but it's just another one of those things where it's like, why is this hidden? Why isn't there just an obvious button to do this? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about auto mode uh, in a bit. Yeah. yeah. But just like, it's very bereft of features and there, there's no even a text blurb of of story in the game <laughs> and like the options menu looks more like a debug menu than an <laughs> options menu it looks extremely bad like all the menus <laughs> in the game do look like a weird text overlay for like a console on a computer yeah, yeah. it's it's just such a strange product to have ever existed yeah no i mean you said that you you felt bad for all the sales of this game um <laughs> I was doing some thinking on that, and uh, I, it something that Dan said on way back when on the Rascal episode, where right. he was talking about how like the game is bad, but like it's not bad in certain ways. Like I, it just made me think about like if I played this game as a kid, I probably would have liked it a lot, yeah. and like wouldn't have thought anything of it. And it just makes me think about like the ways in which games can be bad, and like what like a. Uh, like a can of worms that is. Um, and I feel like there's like a whole YouTube video essay in that topic. Um, and it was just making me think about it, this game. It's weird that that came out of this game. And I was like thinking about like, uh, I don't know, just that kind of thing. Because like there were parts, of, like times when I was playing this where it felt like the all the pieces were locking together and everything was like, like it felt like a regular game that uh-huh. I was playing. But then, yeah, it rarely holds together for too long. But, like, you can almost kind of see the good game inside of it. Yeah, I think <laughs> there's there's interesting points all around, I think. Yeah, I kind of vomited a bunch of ideas there. <laughs> I like the... On the Rascal episode, we talk about it. And the reason that Rascal's so... If you haven't listened to the Rascal episode, just as a <clears throat> brief background. Yeah, if you like this episode, go check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Rascal was an episode that we did like many years ago, like back when we were recording in a basement and it sounded like garbage. Uh-huh. And we had five people on it. Uh, so it is like kind of a rough listen. But the game is similarly a PlayStation 1 game uh, that was released back in the day. And it's this 3D platformer that has character designs done by the Jim Henson workshop. And that is, that is on the fucking box art. Mm-hmm. Uh, the box itself is very colorful and appealing to children. Uh, even the genre of game of a 3D platformer is like a classic staple of this era. Um, and But it was released on the PlayStation 1 prior to the advent of analog sticks. So it's a platformer that has tank controls, <laughs> which seems like <laughs> they felt like it was the only way to do it or something. Um, and because of all of this, like, Rascal feels weird because there isn't a post-mortem on Rascal online <laughs> where they, the devs talk about their time with it. It's like... Rascal seems like something that they they at least put a lot of money into. Well, actually, I was thinking about this. I think Dan linked us a video, like, I probably like a year plus ago now. Uh-huh. Um, but it was one of the people who worked on it talking about it. Like, he had some kind of build of the game 
that he was showing like online like he found like a rom or something um and he was talking about how like the game got like like either they got their funding cut or like something happened that led to the game being like not as good as they thought it was going to be. But like the way he was talking about it, he seemed like even to this day that he was like kind of upset that the development went badly. Cause he's like showing it and he's like, see, this is the way the game's supposed to look. And we had to like do this and that so that like the, it looks worse than it was supposed to and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So there is a little bit of that that exists in the world. I mean, I would still feel bad if I made Rascal sure, in 1995 yeah. <laughs> or whatever it was. But it's 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 like a thing that you worked on that you wanted to make good. Yeah, but you couldn't. Yeah, through forces either outside of your control or not. It coming out bad and then also becoming notorious as being one of the worst <laughs> games on the PlayStation 1. Yep. Like, that's a gut punch for sure. Uh, and so that's where I feel like the differentiating point between Rascal and Killing Zone is, because Killing Zone is like, doesn't look like they tried as much. <laughs> now, yeah, I, I felt like when I was saying my spiel that it felt like the comparison was going to like be very favorable to Rascal, Yeah, <laughs> um, which was a weird feeling to be feeling. Uh-huh. Um, but no, you're right. It's like not the same thing, but like it just made me think about similar topics because um, it was like the, it's it's like closest uh, like brethren, like as far as like games that we've talked about that are just like kind of like bad. Oh, yeah. Like old games. <laughs> I mean, it definitely is in the same category. It's just like Rascal feels like the room. Where it's a game that's so bad, not necessarily so bad it's good, but so bad that there's something notable about it, and mm-hmm. like it was made by people who had experience. It feels, I think, the at least in my head, the difference is Rascal feels ambitious. Yes, it, this doesn't. Right, because this because Rascal feels like the room, and this feels like your cousins. <laughs> Like, when they were six years old, short film that they made on a camcorder. Where it's like, it feels like they lacked uh, a level of, pro- of like, professional... Not pro- professionalism tends to refer to a demeanor. I mean skill, but I wanted to say it in a way that wasn't just, like, outright mean. Because I got a game working. Like, I can't do that. Like, right. I can't go and make yeah. a PlayStation 1 A 3D game. game, even. It just seems like it'd be hard to do. Uh... But it, but the thing that they got working just isn't really anything. <laughs> it's yeah, got pieces. It's of it's, stuff. it's bare bones, much like Cal and Hal. <laughs> yep. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, to your point uh, about like if you played this as a kid, this as we once again forgot to mention at the top is uh, one of our fan brewery games. Uh, this is a game that was suggested to us by Janelle over on the yeah, Discord. Junimo Janelle. And it... And, and like, and she said, like, she rented this multiple times when she was a kid. Yeah, or she knew somebody that had it or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a game that she did play as a child, and that is why... Uh, it, it was something that stuck with her, you know? Yeah, and like, I guarantee you if I played this as a kid, I'd be like, fuck yeah, Killing Zone. Kill, uh, Ain't killing no way Z- you tell me Killing Zone's bad. <laughs> uh, but let's tell you why Killing Zone is bad <laughs> through the eyes of a modern uh, uh, g- gamer. <laughs> mm-hmm. The most valuable opinion you can get. Mm-hmm. It's true. Uh, so... The fighting in the game. 
we'll start with this. We'll lead into into the real meat and potatoes. Uh-huh. Um, this game smacks of old fighting games before like balancing was a thing that people cared about. The really successful fighting games of the time, uh, your like Street Fighters and Mortal Kombat's and Tekken's, are games that just happened to do it well. Uh, fighting games seem, in essence, very easy to make. You go, you make it, you do an attack, and when the hitbox connects, then it deals damage to the other person. Maybe I just know too much about games, <laughs> but I feel like fighting games would be one of the hardest games to develop. They, oh, they absolutely would be. But it comes in a lot of things that are very nuanced. It's not yeah. big picture stuff. Like, it's pretty easy, and they teach, like, platformers and stuff when they're teaching, like, kids how to make games. They're like, here's your, you know, the basic programming and stuff, and it's like, this moves your character, and then, like, here's how you do an input, so you can learn how to make the character mm-hmm. jump. Collision. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Real simple stuff that, like, you can kind of get your head around, and it's easy to depict. In a fighting game, everything from, like, movement and, like, the length of time the animations Yeah, take, animations are super important. Yeah. And this game has some it, of yeah, them. Yeah, balancing. Like, there's, there's, like, a lot of, like, all the nitty-gritty, like, percentages and, like, edge cases and things matter the most, or at least one of the top genres that stuff matters the most in. Yeah, if you were, like, in a human body simulator game, it might matter <laughs> slightly more, but... <laughs> uh, and so this game has like bits and bits like it has an understanding you have the game has a light punch a heavy punch a light kick and a heavy kick uh, and a grab that I'm not sure how you trigger but you can do it mm-hmm. and a block uh, and then everything else and, is like movement. some special moves yeah I think you have to they don't put the inputs in game and the copy that we have definitely didn't come with a manual mm-hmm. uh, so I don't know how to do this I tried the Hadouken input on every character <laughs> and it did nothing on any of them so uh, that was that's about the well of experience that I have right no the Hadouken and I, and I have even less <laughs> yeah so what it ended up being for us when we were playing is that the heavy characters, traditionally some of the worst characters in fighting games, were the ones that I was just like, these are overpowered. <laughs> like the Minotaur, the Frankenstein, they because they have reach. Yeah, the characters with reach are obviously the best ones. Yeah. Like the Gorgon lady, the mummy, the Minotaur, and the Frankenstein. Yeah. And it seems like there's no correlation whatsoever between the the range of the attack and the animation speed, which is dumb. So you have the light kick move with the Frankenstein is this hysterical, like, very slow, like, shin jab, where he just sort of picks his right leg up and then kicks it forward, like, one inch mm-hmm. uh, and misses the attack every time. Uh, hitbox is pretty active though. If you're if you're in the killing sound meta, <laughs> something to keep an eye out for. Uh, but then he also has a move that's just like a big lunging kick that just comes out instantaneously <laughs> and will just floor anybody. <laughs> and it just feels very unfair to play against. It yeah, it is very random. <laughs> Or, or, like, inconsistent across the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it, the Frankenstein is the funniest move. 
where um, if he knocks you down, he can do this like suplex flip thing that is like the funniest. I think it's because of the animation speed. Like it's like so slow. It's really slow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the uh, the fucking the to- what is it? What was it called? Like the tombstone drop. It was like a. a spe- I don't know wrestling. <laughs> yeah, it was. I think it was like Undertaker's special move or something. Where he like assumes a coffin position mm. and falls on his back, except uh, the Frankenstein does flip. a front flip for some reason. <laughs> it just looks like he's fucking up something. Yeah, uh, and other jump attacks honestly are similarly funny to me. The skeleton's jump attack he just turns him into an enormous skull yeah. for some reason. Uh, <laughs> it's just really weird. I know that several of them, like the uh, the Gorgon's jump attack. Just puts you into like a faceplant move, yeah, which makes it really hard to land because unlike a giant Frankenstein falling through the sky, it is small. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's really tough. I I got. I think that was. I think the Minotaur was my guy. Mm-hmm. He's the only one that I ever figured out how to do like a combo <laughs> with. Yeah. Because you can launch somebody, and then because your regular attack has such a long range, because he has an axe and is a big dude, you can connect on their way back down. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally nobody else was I able to connect two hits in a <laughs> row with. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I could tell you were trying a lot harder to actually like play the game like a fighting game than I was. Mm-hmm. This this fell into like classic button masher territory for me. Yeah. Um. I really wanted to like the skeleton. Uh-huh. I just I just like the idea of a skeleton with a sword and shield. It's just fun to me for whatever reason. But uh I think the Gorgon ended up being my favorite character. She felt pretty uh pretty overpowered with that fucking tail. That tail whip move? Yeah. And that cr- the crawling move that I could mm. only rarely ever do. That felt like it was like it had super armor or something. Yeah. Like it was like you hit with that and it did a bunch of damage. So. Yeah, it just seemed like it was actually invincible. You yeah. don't think that you could interrupt that move. Uh, yeah, it's it's real nuts. And also, I agree with the the best way to play this game is to just mash one attack mm-hmm. and win that way. The what I was trying to do was have fun with the game. Sure, sure. Which <laughs> is a difficult task. <laughs> And it's also a, a lost cause if you get bored of doing the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would like to see two people with, like, legit, like, experience, like, the fundies, to get down and actually play some Killing Zone. <laughs> like, I want to see professional Killing Zone, because I think it would be... It would be very eye-opening yeah. to see, like, what are the character choices? Like, what moves are actually any good? Like, for somebody to analyze the meta would, would amuse me greatly. Right. You want to talk about auto mode? <laughs> yeah, I think we better. Uh, I actually think this is a cool idea. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah, so basically what you do is you pick a character... And I, I think you might pick some stats or something at the beginning. I don't remember. But then you basically, you just let them um, fight in a tournament and uh, against a bunch of NPC uh, fighters. And uh, you get, you start out with only, like, two things you can tell them to do, mm-hmm. uh, which is, like, attack and move forward, I think. Uh, and then you unlock more abilities as it goes. And it's, like... 
Right, yeah, it's just a cool idea. It's kind of almost kind of like a like um amiibo fighter training in Smash Brothers or something. Yeah, it it is basically. I would love to hear the interview with uh, Masahiro Sakurai, <laughs> where he was like, "I really got the inspiration for amiibos from Killing Zen." <laughs> Because it is, it legit, I mean, this isn't probably the only game to have ever done this, but this is the earliest one I can remember it being in. Um, the two things you started off with at the beginning also are attack and advance. Mm. And advance is funny because I still, after playing the mode for like multiple hours, do not know if advance means advanced moves or mm. advancing moves, like moves that move you forward. Uh-huh. That was my interpretation, but I don't know if it's correct at all. <laughs> yeah, I legitimately do not know. Uh, there is like also a retreat that you get later, mm. which makes me think maybe advance retreat. Those are like antonyms. Maybe that's what they're going for. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't know uh, if that is the case or not. Yeah, but the way to win uh, is. <laughs> Oh, you eventually unlock uh, the special command, mm-hmm. uh, and so you just want to hold X yep. uh, and only do special moves, and you will just fucking steamroll everything until it gets to, like, the last uh, <laughs> tournament. Yeah. Uh, it's nuts how well that works. <laughs> it <laughs> it feels to me like they had a great idea and then just didn't know how to implement it in the systems of yeah, the game. like with the AI that they had. <laughs> yeah. Like, even, I feel like the way that it is coded currently, probably I would enjoy better than, like, the actual optimal way of coding it, mm-hmm. which would be to, like, have it be, like, maybe like you give inputs on a timer and say, like, oh, th- do an attack, and then once that runs out, you can, like, queue up two or three things and then have them act in that way and then be able to, like, switch between them to give more, like, active coaching. But the way they do it now just seems like as long as you're holding the button, it, like, turbo inputs yeah. whatever that is and has your character just do it. Yeah, you can, you're almost never interrupted, <laughs> like, if you, if, you are, uh, if you hit them first. Yeah. You just kind of steamroll them. <laughs> It feels like playing a fighting game with a really slow controller. <laughs> You're like, I'll press hold. You press and hold until they do something, and then you press and hold another one <laughs> until they do it. It's like they want to make it seem like the the character is learning, right? But they don't ever do anything differently. Yeah, or it, they want it to feel like it's not just you controlling them. It's right. like you're giving them commands. Yeah, it would have been much more interesting if there was like a backfire rate early. Mm. But the problem is it takes so long to get... Well, not the matches. They take a very short time. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it takes so long to advance and actually like level up and whatever mm-hmm. that it would be unplayable if they made it like hard. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I feel like I'm really like torn on it because mm-hmm. I feel like it's a it's a it's a game style I hate, but it's interesting. Mm-hmm. But then it's also done badly, so it's hard to have like a really like positive <laughs> take on mm-hmm. it. It is the most interesting thing about this game, mm-hmm. just the fact that it exists at all. Yeah, uh, we gotta talk about the announcer. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> who might be an announcer or might be like a corrupted AI <laughs> trying to get out of the game. Uh, yeah, because I feel like I, I was doing some looking online and a lot of people seem to say that it sounds like he's saying beat you up when you start. <laughs> um uh, you start a match, but to me, it immediately sounded like "bitch, you rock," and it only ever sounded like that to me. And it's just, it's just he just yells uh, incoherent phrases. Yeah, and it's really funny. <laughs> it's extremely bizarre. Uh, yeah, I never got anything out mm. of it. When, when like I never got any words. I actually sort of made the assumption that it might be a Japanese voice line, mm. but that might not be true either. It, it sounds a little bit like yeah, like uh, like English. You yeah, know, like it's like a Japanese uh, voice actor doing an English line. Mm-hmm. Like it, it might it. If I had to make an actual guess as to what that line is supposed to be, <laughs> I think it might be "Beat you raw." Beat you raw. Yeah, because it sounds like beat you raw. That is what it sounds yeah, like. It's yeah, it's something like that. Um, as much as I want it to be bitch you raw. That's such a weird <laughs> thing for an announcer to say, though. Yeah, like the announcer is like the fight. Wait, there's a reference here. I don't know. It just seems like the announcer would be like a tanned, shirtless guy with hair, like spiky uh-huh. blonde hair. From the '90s, that like jumps down and is like, ah, "Beat you, raw!" <laughs> like that's such an like odd a '90s hype man. Yeah, <laughs> in it a Slim Jim commercial or something. <laughs> and this is this is the only story co- information that we have. So we're assuming that 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 the lead singer from The Offspring <laughs> is running this monster tournament. It seems like the only thing that makes sense. Uh, even like the area, like the <laughs> the arcade mode is set up on this map, and mm. it's like it's like a classic, like fantasy tattered map mm-hmm. of the area. But every place that you go is just called Zone One, Zone <laughs> two. two. Yeah, the killing zones. It's the killing zones, but. So there's a journey involved. <laughs> we know that much, but to where I don't know. Uh, and it, going for like, if you look at the stages, they're all the same stage. It's all just a square. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, as far as I can tell, they're all the same size. Also, it does seem like it. So <laughs> there, you don't really get a whole lot from it. You go from like a dojo to the leaf planet to the one that's just all dark. It's really strange. Uh, all the stages, there's only visual variation. They don't tell you much of a story either. <laughs> no logical progression. Not really. So yeah, I think maybe Beat You Raw could be it. Based on what I know about the game. It's a thing that it sounds like that makes the most sense to me. Um, Boy... What did you think about the soundtrack? Was it Castle Pass level or I, better? I don't even remember it at all. <laughs> even I, a little bit. I can only remember it as the Walkman skipping version uh, of any of the songs. So it's, I've, I have like no clear picture in my mind either. Mm-hmm. 
It's got to be worse than Castle Pass. Because <laughs> I don't, at least that left an impression on me. That's true. It's still up there all these years later. Mm-hmm. In my head, not like in the rankings <laughs> <Yeah>. of songs. <laughs> Do we have dark fairy thoughts? <laughs> Uh, do we have any Gorgon conclusions? <laughs> do you have the skeleton of an argument? Uh, my my dark fairy thoughts <laughs> um, are I I I like what I said earlier about it kind of feeling like a PS One launch title. Mm-hmm. It, it does kind of feel like this was either like rushed out the door like they just didn't have a ton of time to work on it or it was like like a like a freshman effort um where they just did as much as they could um being relatively unexperienced like yeah it just it's the presentation is almost non-existent um the features are sparse like there's not even like proper menus or like there's it's just it's very bare bones um as we were saying um it does have some old like ps1 game charm to it in like how like bad it is um it's just kind of amusing to someone like me anyway um but yeah i don't know there's there's still Something about it, like, like I was talking about how, like, the nature of, like, what makes games bad and all the different ways games can be bad. Like, the way that, like, Janelle talked about this and then, like, what I was reading about it, like, it's somehow better than what I expected it to be. <laughs> uh, I don't know what that says, because um, it certainly isn't any good, but... Um... I don't know. There, there, I did get a glimmer of value out of this, I think. I wasn't the one who paid for it, though. So, <laughs> um, Yeah, it, it is a bizarre, fun game to look at, I think. Um, I don't know. It, it, it entertained me pretty thoroughly for like the hour and a half that I played it. So, I don't know. Bitch, you rock. Um, I think that's a really good not being the person who paid for it is actually sort of how I wanted to describe the appeal of this game uh, for what there is of it. Um, this game to me, I have, I have no experience with this game, but I have a ton of experience with games that are just like it. And by just like it, I mean, they're PlayStation games that offer a little bit of entertainment that you find with a stack of, of markdown price tags an inch thick in a wire bin at the front of a game store. And you probably could have gotten this game for a buck ninety nine in nineteen ninety eight, like after it was a couple years old, uh, and people had get, gotten it and returned it and then it got marked down, etc. Because I bought those games when I was a kid. Those were the games that I was playing mostly. Where I had like the one tentpole release where I spent three years trying to beat Banjo Kazooie, mm-hmm. and then I had a hundred games that I paid a dollar for on the PlayStation or like whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you got this game for a buck ninety nine as a kid, that is the highest peak point. Of enjoyment for this game. You will fucking love this game if you did that. (laughs) Because there's nostalgic attachment. It didn't cost you a bunch of money so you weren't disappointed by it when you were a kid. And 
it's fucking funny. Like, it's a funny game because it is so wacky and outrageous. I legitimately, like, it's so hard to describe this in a natural way in a podcast, and I've done it before, and I always cringe when I do it, but I just laughed really hard in a way I cannot emulate. (laughs) (laughs) When I booted up the auto mode, and it was just like, Gorgon, age 20. (laughs) Like, for some reason, them giving them an age, and it specifically being 20 when you start. Yeah, each time you die, the age goes up. Yep, so that you, you it's showing time passing. Mm -hmm. It's just really, oh, it's the 20, it's... I'm the mummy. I'm 20 years old. I've decayed and have been wrapped in preservational bandages. But I'm only 20 years old. Uh, It's really funny in a way that I can't describe. And just the hit of it was so hard. So, yeah, I also loved the two. Okay, I played it for like four hours that I played this game. Uh, but would could not recommend it to people at writ large. Mm-hmm. It has to be something big and special for you, especially at modern prices. <laughs> Thank you for listening to No Clip Pocket this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about The Bouncer. Uh, this is a Square Enix game. It's their first one on the PS2. Yeah. So we're advancing one console generation. <laughs> we will be 21 when <laughs> we play the bouncing. Uh, but yeah, this is one that I've known about for a little while um, because the main character in a piece of promotional art looks just like Sora in like an athletic outfit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of made its rounds in the Kingdom Hearts community, people being like, what the fuck is this game? (laughs) Um, So that's how I know about it. And then somebody suggested it for Fanbruary, so I was like, we gotta do that. (laughs) Because it's always been like a little curiosity of mine. So I think it's a beat-em-up. I don't really know a lot of specifics about it, but Square Enix beat-em-up from probably like 2001. Yep. Um, and that's also, that's a fun thing. Cause we, th- th- we're talking, we talked about a fighting game this week. Talk about a beat em up. These are genres that we don't either ever talk about or talk about really rarely. So it's fun to, fun to hit all those, check all those boxes. Um, and before, while that box is still unchecked, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com. There you can find links to our email address, to our Twitter account, the Discord, where you can come suggest games for next fan brewery, or just talk about the games that we're talking about on any given week. Uh, you can go to our YouTube channel, which has uploads of all of our old episodes, including episodes on Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Rascal. Rascal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, Harvest Moon GBC. Harvester. Beat that like button raw. <laughs> Drop a giant skull on the subscribe button. Stretch those mummy limbs down to the comment section. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a trek. Mm-hmm. Gotta have the stretchy limbs. It's almost like we're gonna talk over each other. 
a lot. During the podcast. Oh my god, we got to talk um, cock over each other. Uh, Keyblade uh, something. <laughs> Keyblade Graveyard. <laughs> welcome to the, the Keyblade Key Graveyard. I'm Sora Keyman. <laughs> uh, I didn't know that was his canonical last name. <laughs>